wow, we got more to do. We, we looked at some signs. We looked at what God has done in a variety of ways to reveal himself so that we would know he was around us. And every excuse to say God is distant, God isn't available, I don't see God anywhere, is absolutely, totally wrong. He is everywhere and he's showing himself brilliantly all around us in every possible way. And it is uh, something that we can trust in, something we can grab hold of, something that we can rely on. He is there and he has something for us and for all those in this world. He has more to reveal. We are going to look at some signs today that are going to take a little bit of imagination. So as we look at these, and these are, these are the ones you're seeing every day, probably these very areas of life are the ones that trouble you, that you complain about that you have conversations with others about. You may put them on Facebook. You might be Twittering. There just might be all kinds of things happening as a result of these signs. God is revealing himself in, in the bad news. So the signs of God in the bad news. We are going to look at the negative to discover the positive. So that should help, right? Bad news. Here we go. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. In the last days, there will be very difficult times. In the last days, there will be very difficult times. If you've noticed, we are 2,000 years down from the time of Christ and the time when Paul was writing. So we're down the road a piece. We are closer to those end days than when it all began. We don't know the exact time because that the Father has kept to himself. What we do know is there are seasons, there are things to look for, and this is one of those times when we have seasons of things to look at, and we are in the last days. There will be difficult times. So we got things that are not pleasant, things that lack security, peace, prosperity, things, things that just interrupt life as we would like it to be because there are things in this world and around us in community in every aspect of of humanity our health and finances economy there are wars there are uh, people groups that are attacking other people groups all of those things are unfolding so difficult times have come let's take a look evil you know that one? Evil is good movement. This is a concept that people have that they are employing and using all around us. Happening in cities across America. Happening in families. It's happening uh, in schools. It's, it's happening in Africa, Latin America, Europe, Asia. It's all over. Evil is good movement. 2 Timothy 3, 2. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. 
people love themselves. So the me, we got the me too movement, but that's kind of a different spin. But still that idea of it's me. It's all about me. And it's about me and my feelings, about me and my stuff. It's about me and mine. It's about me. So love themselves. It's not I'm coming to sacrifice. I'm coming to improve. Not that we don't have people doing that, but it says in the last times, difficult times will come. This is one of the areas that you can observe and say, yeah, I'm seeing that. So now you know you have seen a sign of God. He said that 2,000 years ago. And if you are seeing it today, you have seen God at work because these people are rejecting him just as he said they would. They will boast and be proud they will be all about themselves and how great they are and what they can accomplish and how how wonderful they are at whatever it is and that they can handle it if you run into people this is true for christians as well who will go through a difficulty and the response to well it's it's tough and maybe they share that it's tough a little bit but then the tagline is but i can handle it and if you're Christian, then you, you, know, you use words like, well, that's BS. Because it ain't so. There is no way they can handle it. We have a God in heaven who has said, you need me. You rely on me. Trust in the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. You, this, this is where we go. We lean on him and we lean on his strength. We, we operate in the strength of the Lord and his might. Not in how clever we are, how great we are. I can handle it. Now, if it's doing laundry and washing the car and, yeah, and, and balancing our budget so we're paying the bills with what we're earning, yeah, there's some stuff there. But there are tough things that happen in life. And those really tough things are the ones that come along and somebody gets proud and boastful and I can handle it. And you know when you're talking to them. No, they can't. Because there's probably no human being on earth that can handle some of these situations. You got a bad heart, you got cancer, it's running through your lymph nodes. You can handle that, huh? Just quit it. Just own up to the fact that you are a human being living on earth in a body that will at some point stop functioning. And just Go with what God has designed. Trust Him through the tough times and getting us through. But there's some, even for the Christians, that will we'll boast because we're trying to keep up with the world. They make those statements. They put those things out, little clever sayings in social media or on little plaques we hang on the wall. And you go, you know, that ain't so. Difficult times will come. There's this turning away from God. Love ourselves. Boastful and proud, and the next line is scoffing at God. Turning our back on Him. Rejecting Him. Well, He couldn't do that. He couldn't create the world we live in. If you've gone to school anywhere in the last 150 years, you know that one. God couldn't have done it. So we scoff at God to start with. So by third grade, you're getting that one. And then you follow up with, I'm going to scoff at God when it comes to difficulties. Like, I... I I want to trust God to help me in my life 
goals and my relationships and my finances and my spiritual life. I want to, but you know, he really doesn't come through for me. So that's one of those things that he's pointing out. Have you noticed that there are people who claim to know Christ who scoff at God? And they just turn their back and, nah, nah, he really can't come through. He really doesn't help. In fact, I need to be more anxious because I'm the only one on this planet who can fix this. That's scoffing at God, being boastful and proud. Did you know that? I'm the only one. So I need to be anxious all night long because my anxiety through the night will fix it. And it will fix the other people around me who are all messed up. And you know all that's bull. So here we go. We got some serious stuff to deal with. Evil is real. It is around us. Isaiah said there's going to come a time and people are going to say evil is good and good is evil. And here we go. And this is part of it. They're scoffing at God disobedient to parents here are the people who are investing in their lives who care for them who invest love and time and energy and their full heart into this young person and they say no it's the same thing we do to god scoffing at god is saying nope don't want your help don't want your advice don't want your wisdom don't want it get out of my face so Kids learn that too. And they go, parent, so you've given me everything I need. Provided a roof, put it over my head, given me clothes to wear, food to eat, shoes to walk around in, and uh, love. Nope, don't want that. Sign of evil. Evil in a time when God said, it's coming. If you've noticed it, then you've seen God telling the truth because it breaks out and it happens and it happens in families, it happens in neighborhoods and then you have the whole, the whole center of a city burning because there's a bunch of people scoffing at God thinking evil is good and they're not listening to the authority. Where do you learn authority to trust and listen to the authorities in your life? From your parents. So guess what we just broke down? disobedient to parents spitting in the eye of the very ones who care scoffing at God who cares and going another way and calling that good and acting as though that's good so we've seen that around us now maybe we've touched on that some in our own lives but we see it around us so it's plenty there's plenty of it to know that's a real thing they will consider uh, oh wait we didn't do ungrateful it's just this basic part of humanity to say thank you to be grateful for the things that god has given the things that people have provided for us and ungrateful just means they owe it to me i am entitled i am so dang cute and i am so precious in my own sight let's see what do we start with oh they love themselves i so love myself that i deserve all of this so you owe it to me and if you don't give it to me, then I have a right to be angry. I wanted, I wanted a PlayStation, not an Xbox. So I have a right to have a meltdown. Because I am not grateful for the thing that I get. I, I, I don't like quarter pounders. I wanted nuggets. 
I have a right to fall apart and be ungrateful, disobedient to parents, scoff at God, approve evil, love myself, look out for me. And God says, whoa, it's coming. It's going to be bad. And it will destroy lives, families, communities, nations. It's coming. They will consider nothing sacred. So the sacredness of things of God that are sacred, set aside for Him, special things. We talked this weekend about God's creation. He created in six days. On the seventh day, He rested, and He called it holy. Do you know what that did? That made the seventh day sacred. So what do we do with it, you American Christians? We do the same thing on the seventh day we did on the sixth day, the fifth day, the fourth day, third day, second day, first day, because it's the same. Because we consider nothing sacred. If it's sacred, it will be unique, set aside, set apart, highly exalted, special among all things. So he gives us a model. And Jesus says, don't make crazy rules like the Pharisees did about this. Did he ever say, don't recognize this as sacred? Nope. He said, just go about doing everything just like everybody else in the world does? Nope. It's sacred. He said it was sacred. And it's set aside, as Jesus explains it, because he is the Lord of the Sabbath, and he says, we created this for you. It's sacred because he wants you to be able to handle the week that's to come. But we get so caught up in our stuff, loving ourselves, our money. We kind of, you know, Lord, I'll give you a little nod, but sacred? Uh, that's a little far. I can't do sacred. So if that's not enough for you, then we got more. What about relationships? Marriage is a sacred relationship. Out of all of the relationships in the world for all time, it's the relationship between a man and a woman, husband and wife, set aside by God, set apart from every other relationship. It's the sacredness of that relationship, sacredness of the marriage, sacredness of this unity that exists that God, God has placed, placed his hands on and blessed and said, this one, this matters. But, you know, we got a lot of other things going. We got projects, we got work, we got to fix the car, got to change the air in the tires. So many things to invest in a relationship, to take time for a conversation, to take time to go out to dinner, to read a book on marriage, to talk about what God meant by marriage, to take a weekend and just go to a marriage conference and learn how to do that better? A sacred thing? No. No. We got plenty of other things to do that are important because we love ourselves. We have important things to do. So we scoff at God who's given us the sacred marriage or sacred relationship and said I've got something unique for you 
I go, no, I ain't got time to read that book, go to a conference, take that time out, spend with that person. They're just a roomie who's supposed to do their job and I do mine. That happens. They consider nothing sacred. So we keep going. So the sacredness of the Bible. Here's God's word revealed from heaven. Jesus came and put his stamp of approval on this book. And he said, yeah, this is it. In fact, let me throw out some more words so you got more to work with. And this is a sacred keepsake, a treasure, something to hold on to. Because it's going to point you to a relationship with God, to understanding who God is, to what he has for you as a human being so you can understand yourself and how you're supposed to live, what your purpose is on life, how to interact with other people, what to know is sacred. You're going to find it in the book. So here's a sacred book. Yeah, that's a good idea. I think maybe by July I could get around to a little bit of that. This week? Because, you know... I got stuff to do. Why? I love myself. I just love myself. But God says, this is an inspired book. It will correct you. It will teach you. It will train you. It's sacred. No, I don't really have time. Not much. Maybe a little time for something like that. Because I got really important things to do. This is talking to people like, you know, you and me here just in, this is evil is good movement. So we're doing the opposite of what God wants us to do, calling it good and thinking, you know, he's okay with it. Guess what? He isn't okay with it. He thinks these are really horrible things that we do as humans. He says, it's coming. No surprise to him. He's just letting us know that's coming. Uh, so that's the evil is good movement. We had good is evil alliance, 2 Timothy 3.3. 3. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will hate what is good. So if you're doing something good, like just in the political realm in, in America, let's say, let's save babies. Moms carrying babies. Wouldn't it be good if we kept them alive? Hmm, that would be good. So who would be cruel and hate what is good? Those who want to destroy the babies. Any of that going on? We've got millions being killed every year because that is the direction of this world. The evil has come, and now good is considered evil. So if you're trying to protect those babies, obviously you're the evil ones. You don't understand. If you want to protect your borders so you can protect your people, because if America is strong, America can help, can help other countries around the world. What if we open the borders in destroy the America and its economy, its base, its functioning. It can no longer help the countries around the world. So let's just throw open the borders to everybody in the world and be flooded. But what's good? 
Well, good is being able to actually do something, take care of our people, help some other people. Well, that's evil in the view of many. So it's turned upside down. We get this thing, they will be cruel, hate what is good. It just gets turned upside down. If you've done any Facebook uh, posting, just in the political realm, how much unloving, unforgiving kind of things are said? And you can pick either president, either party. How much unloving, unforgiving things are said? It's all over the place. It ought not be, especially from God's people. But God's people get involved and practice unloving and unforgiving things just like everyone else. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will destroy the reputations of other people for no reason at all. I mean, just, just to take them down a notch. Happens with, with people. There's legitimate concerns for women being abused, like in the Me Too movement. And then there are women who take advantage of that movement and name names and lay blame on men who had nothing to do with anything. Slander. We're, gonna just, we're just gonna tear down the world. We're just gonna tear them down. Too many CEOs are male, or too many CEOs are white, or too many we need to slander we need to slander that company, or we need to slander that group, or slander that church or that pastor. We just need to tear these things down. That's what's gonna happen. Have no self control. That is man, good as evil. Alliance is big on that. Just Act out, say whatever you want, anytime you want. Rip into other people. Just let your mouth say, you know, that's just how I feel. That's how I, I'm just, you know, I'm just that kind of person. Well, stop being that kind of person. We think for some reason that we have a right to just rip and tear into other people. I'm not saying you guys, but human beings have this tendency to want to go that direction. And that's just, isn't that just, it's just horrible. Lack of self-control in marriages. As a result, we have all, all these uh, adulterous activities going on and marriages are falling apart because there's no self-control. Uh, overeating, overspending, over... You just start going through the list of things that are over and you go, wow. It's like there's a lack of self-control. Yep. God said it was coming. It's a sign that he, he's right. Wicked works, 2 Timothy 3, 4. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will betray their friends, and they'll be reckless. Just that, if, if you observe some of the uh, cultural norms for We'll put this in the category of, of females proving that they have a right to exist in this world. One of the more popular ones now is to be reckless. So a woman who is uh, out of control, drinks, is, is, uh, acts like a linebacker from a football team, knocking people around. She's in control, and her mouth shows it, and her attitude reveals it, but that recklessness is highly touted as a wonderful thing. 
among the culture, in the, within our culture. Uh, invite that woman to dinner and enjoy that conversation. Reckless. It happens, you know, men are doing that too. And, and well, I'm just going to go ride a motorcycle at 250 miles an hour and you just uh, adrenaline junkies just for no reason. And the recklessness has no bearing except to uh, satisfy her own lust, interest, whatever it is that, that gives us pleasure. You notice any, noticing any theme in this? They betray their friends. They'll be a friend for a while, but if you don't come through, if you don't agree with them, you can be a friend. You can be a friend on Facebook if you agree with my president or my political views, but you can't be a friend with... You, you got a different perspective? Nope. What if it comes down to we're going to walk with Jesus? We want to pray in Jesus' name at the end of the football game. Ah... We'll have friends who will turn us in, turn, friends who will turn their backs on us. They will betray friends. So these are people who just looking out for themselves. So whatever gives them the advantage in this relationship is what they're going to take. They're puffed up with pride. They love pleasure rather than God. So whatever works for them, wicked works, fakes in the faith, 2 Timothy 3, 5, they will act religious, they will but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that, is what we're told. They will reject the power that could make them godly. It's available. God is revealing himself. He wants us to walk with him. He wants to provide that power, and it's there. But people don't experience it, so then they act religious. And then if somebody is experiencing something that is real, they have to tear it down. Uh, and and they have to slander that person often. Plenty of YouTubes like that. And somebody's experiencing something God is doing, some remarkable thing, and then this other group can't stand it. And and because they aren't experiencing that particular thing, then they prove they pretend a certain religiosity and uh, reject the power of God. And the power that makes them godly. Because the godliness thing here is that we have self-control, that we do love God, that we are here to, to have our friends' backs, that we are going to speak truth and, and love to people around us. We're going to engage. That's godliness. But this is going another way because they love pleasure, they love themselves, they're puffed up, puffed up with pr pride. And so just stay away from them. Creeps and counterfeits, 2 Timothy 3, 6 through 8. They are the kind who work their way into people's homes and win the confidence of vulnerable women who are burdened with the guilt of sin and controlled by various desires. These teachers oppose the truth, just as Janice and Jambres opposed Moses. They have depraved minds and a counterfeit faith. These are people who are looking for Women who, who are struggling, they may even come in for counseling if this is in a pastoral situation. And these pastors will take advantage of them for their own sexual pleasures. And they, it, again, that's all over the news. 
We've had pastors step out of pastorates in the last year, far too many because of this very thing. They're the kind who work their way into people's homes and win the confidence of vulnerable women who are burdened with whatever series of things are going on. They need help, but instead of getting help, they get taken, care, uh, taken advantage of. And he ties that into Janice and Jambri. So if you remember the magicians in Pharaoh's court that Moses dealt with, you know, he's standing there with his, his staff, throws it down, turns into a snake, and then those guys throw down something, turns it into a snake, and then uh, Moses' staff snake ate their snake, and so God wins. But it's the idea of that there's, it looks like the same power. It looks like the same thing. It's from the enemy. It's the devil's tricks, and they're out there. And in, in this case, what we're talking about, this is in the church. So this is happening in the ministry. And he says, in the last days, you're going to have some difficult times. You're going to have people who are going to be engaging in this. And the numbers will increase. There will be more of it. So if you've noticed more of it just in your encounters with the news, that's because we are in the end times and difficult end days and the difficult times have come. It's a sign that God was right, that he's at work, that the enemy is doing all he can to destroy the church, to destroy people, to destroy families, anything sacred he wants to tear down. Stop and turn to God. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. You wonder, why, why didn't he just stop it? Why doesn't he, why doesn't he stop the world? Why doesn't he just, it's, it's gotten so, so bad. You know, when I was growing up, if you're old enough to say those kind of words, you know what I'm talking about. Oh man, God, just stop it. Just kill them all. Just take us to heaven, kill them all. Lord really isn't slow about his promise. He just wants them to repent. He's got a lot more patience than we do. Because we're ready to call it in. He's saying, nope, there's some others out there. They're kind of goofy right now, but I want them. Many of them as I can get. So he's still working at that. Fiery judgment. 2 Peter 3.10 But the day of the Lord will come as, an, as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. There's the judgment. He comes and when he comes to bring judgment, he will melt this thing down. He will bring fire and bring it to a close. So we don't have to worry about him bringing justice at the proper time or judgment at the proper time. He will do that. And when he does, it is final. There is no, no escape. There is no one going to change his mind. There is no one who can explain it away. He will take care of everything. That day is coming. So we know we're in those last days as we just look around and we see the signs of the evil being considered good and good being considered evil. And you go, this is, this is crazy. And it, it, 
there are places in, in, even in Canada where they're just trying to shut down churches gathering or people, obviously in uh, China, India, th those places are notorious for such things. So that's going on. But then you start seeing it creeping in more to cultures that are more similar to us and you go, wow, this thing's coming and the judgment's coming. So that's around the corner. If God's allowing those things to happen, he knows it. He still wants people to come, to repent, to come to know him. But he will bring the judgment at the proper time. But that's not the end of the story. New heavens and new earth. Second Peter 3, these are just the next verses, 11 through 13. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, that whole fire and meltdown, what holy and godly lives... You should live looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. On that day, he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames. But we, we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth. He has promised a world filled with God's righteousness. A world filled with God's righteousness. It will be put right. The world that we will live in, the new heavens and new earth, will be put right. It will function perfectly. And all those things that we are looking at, the negatives and the stuff that breaks loose in us and in our communities and sometimes in our churches that are evil will be gone. And he will deal with that. But the new heavens and the new earth will set us up for a whole new experience in which righteousness reigns and we will live the best life ever. It's coming. It's coming. Just not yet. But the signs are, we're getting close. So when you look at all the things you want to complain about, and you, oh God, where are you? you have you seen the news lately? Because gosh. Yeah, he's seen the news. He knew it 2,000 years ago, which is why he told us those days are coming. So when you see it, you can panic, have anxiety, wonder where God is, or you can say, yep, he said that was going to happen. I'm just going to trust him because I know what comes after this. There's a new heaven and a new earth. And that's what I'm looking for, a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness will reign because he will be on the throne. Let's pray. Our God in heaven, thank you for not forgetting us and leaving us abandoned in this world while it spins out of control. Thank you for being a God who sees and knows and knows what's ahead and what we need uh, to live in the environment. And you've provided your word, you've provided your power, the Holy Spirit is available to us, you've, you've given your son so that we might have salvation, we might walk with you so that we can live in this world with all the evil that might break loose and to live properly, rightly before you. And Lord, we do look forward to that day, that glorious day when the new heavens and the new earth are really realized. We look forward to the day when we will see you face to face. We will walk with you uh, through heavenly gates and we will walk on the new earth and we will find, Lord, such a difference in the light and in the love and in the wonders that you will provide. 
in the new heavens, in the new earth. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.